The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. Let's start recording just, uh, okay. I don't know, bu- bu- bullshit a little. I-, I like to have a little uh, pre-roll uh, thing in the beginning, so make, make, okay. make, sure, make, make sure you're funny for a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no pressure. Uh. Bullshitting, I got. I don't know about the other. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, yeah. but I felt like after the third album, I was like, oh. no, yeah, it's it's, a weird, it's weird. It's a weird thing when, like, I I think we age out of those things, you know. Like, yeah, like it was. And even watching watching Eddie Vedder, you know, I rewatched him inaugurating the band into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. it is such it is so great. But even watching him speak, it's like his whole attitude. Like now, me as an adult, I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, he's all like, oh, I have a mohawk because you know the, the corporation, and I, and not that I disagree with him, but he just he still feels like he's 16. Sure. Sometimes. And so I think that's why it is funny. It, it, it is interesting, uh, funny, but it is interesting how like I, I think of the three of us, I'm I don't want to say easily, but I'm probably the least Pearl Jam fan, which doesn't mean that I don't like them, but it does mean I didn't follow them so closely after the after like the heyday, i.e. me in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But it's but it's interesting to when you remember like all the stuff that they've done and tried to do, and you're like all these tick boxes of like people I would get along with. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like yeah, stick it to Ticketmaster, fuck those guys, like good for you. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, yeah. and it may be just a product of where I was or the upbringing and stuff that was like, oh, troublemakers, you know. <laughs> like, what a- like now, looking back, I'm like, oh my god, what an asshole! Just troublemakers—they're trying. Get off my lawn, Earl Jam. <laughs> they're trying to make it better. You're like, you're like, I don't trust people. I trust a company. <laughs> I'm saying, and you're like, oh, that's really enlightened. <laughs> well, I don't know if we're if we're into the song yet, but my first impression of Pearl Jam's version. Oh of yeah. This song, uh, Save yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's yeah, let's see. Let me let me okay, sorry, let me sorry. let me start for real, and then we'll uh, and then we'll okay, get into okay. that. Uh, got it, got it. Is that enough hilarious bullshit for now? <laughs> Welcome to season eight, episode sixteen of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today covering the fan club single track and Ramon's cover. I just want to have something to do. Long song title for a band that plays short songs. Today's guests from the Ramones A Day podcast. That is over now, but still there to be enjoyed and remembered. We have Molly Ann Hale and Philip Mottis. Hello, Hi. you two. Hello. Hi. It's us. We did it. Yes. We did it. So glad. Yes, yeah, so glad uh, you could join me today. Uh, you're 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 my my experts for the day since I'm not that big a Ramones fan. 
and we're <laughs> I have I, <laughs> I've been I've been I, I've gotten a couple of the uh of the Rhino vinyl re-release things with the with the okay. like four CD things and stuff. So nice that those are great albums. Yeah, so I'm 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 working my way through little by little. I'm not I'm not right. a, I'm not an expert. I am an appreciator, however. So that's that's all right. We are professors. Exactly. <laughs> We have like we have uh, leather patches on leather on leather jackets. <laughs> uh, Brandon, little known fact that I tell everyone: uh, <laughs> my, birthday, people. <laughs> my birthday is the same birthday as Joey Ramon. Oh, hey now, yeah. So that just that just uh, helps my my legitimacy. <laughs> Right. Well, I think I, I think that the, uh, the that this episode I'm, I'm going to hold it until it releases around then. So I'll wish you a happy birthday happy now, birthday. and then when people hear Thank it, you. then in the future, oh man, time travel. It'll be, there we it'll go. Nailed it. How did he know? <laughs> I love this. Uh, anyway, this song uh, credited to Johnny Ramone, Joey Ramone, Dee Dee Ramone. Sometimes yeah. just Joey. So, <laughs> depending on yeah. the source you look at. So, uh, th- this is this comes from their earlier period when they all agreed that all original songs would be credited as the Ramones. Like they they got all got writing credit, and it was shortly after this when they started divvying it up. But historian got real real mad at each other, and they were like, "I I want my own songs." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, they're like, "We don't have enough to argue about." Yeah. <laughs> uh, we kind of fell in our scientific studies, believing that this was a Joey song, being mm-hmm. that it was rather upbeat, but not like full of real flowery odd poetry, which usually leans towards a Didi realm. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I would put a point in joey's direction for this all right and uh this is the opening track to their 1978 album road to ruin also featured on the rock and roll high school film This is when they're this is when they're rolling in into town in a convertible and Marky is awkwardly just drumming with drumsticks into the air into the air <laughs> as you do as you do, as you do. it's a musical when guys you're in a ca- you when you're in a car yeah yeah and uh, let's see this cover was performed by the bassist Jeff Amens uh, in Montana I believe that uh was recorded by Brett Eliason uh in was it May and October of 2001 released on the 2001 fan club single which is a double guy and uh, I believe this is the last song I had to to uh to cover 
for that. Oh wait, no, give me some truth. I got that on there too. So never mind. Oh, they did give me some truth. Um, is the so I have a question. Being Pearl Jam fan number three in this group, does Jeff sing much? I feel like I've not heard much vocals of him on Pearl Jam songs. Um, no, he doesn't. Okay, <laughs> were you trying uh, to think of a polite way to say that? No, 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 no. no <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reticent to get into it because okay. I've forgotten that this is the first time that I've had both of you uh-huh. uh, on the show. So, as is my custom, I have to ask you before we get too into it. We already started. We got more than a couple toes in the water uh-huh. before we get our ankles in it. We gotta, <laughs> I gotta ask you. Uh, I pose the question, Philip. When did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Um, I think it was in high school. I'm I'm almost certain of it. Uh, I don't remember the exact time, but I was as I was sort of thinking about this question earlier. I can think of a couple distinct little moments. I have a really clear image of me driving my 1988 Pontiac Grand Prix <laughs> on. Henderson Street in Galesburg, hearing e- hearing even flow on the radio. I just feel like I remember that very distinctly. And also around that time, I want to say they were the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. And I remember thinking that their performance of Alive was awesome. It was like my, I don't know which preceded which, because I'm from central Illinois. And especially then, everything is like four or five years behind the curve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so I did not, I, I was not at the forefront of anything ever. So this could have, this could have happened in 1992. It could have also happened in 1996. <laughs> um, uh, but I, those are my two like earliest impressions of them was, was hearing them either on that radio in that car or seeing them on Saturday Night Live. Okay. And, and Molly, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? i first heard of pearl jam i was probably a freshman in high school you know i was one of those girls i was watching 120 minutes on mtv i'm sure i'm sure i caught them the first time there i also used to love to listen to uh i I was going to high school in fort lauderdale and used to listen to a lot of college radio and you know they were playing smashing pumpkins and pearl jam and sonic youth and all that all that it was a good time for music back then so that Mm. you know it would have been very prevalent around in my in my social circles and you and you kept listening to them for for a little bit oh yeah i mean i loved pearl jam i mean um we used to just when that first album came out i mean we just listened to it into the ground you know we would just play it over and over and over and over (laughs) and over again i would say that i probably haven't stuck with them past like maybe their fifth album Mm -hmm. and every once in a while i'm like dang these guys are still going Like, wow. But I think coming back at them now for this is making me realize I should probably dig back into some of their later albums. Obviously, I really appreciate Eddie Vedder. And Eddie Vedder had a very close relationship with the Ramones. And Eddie Vedder, you know, he would go on stage as Pinhead for them sometimes. Um, He was good friends with Johnny. And like, I I don't know, I rewatched that uh, inauguration uh, speech that he gave, Hall of Fame speech. And, you know, he's, he's sort of joking about how because the Ramones never got made any money on their music, like all these rock and rollers would go to their house and like, you know, cut their grass and dust their books and stuff, <laughs> just like mm-hmm. for retribution. And I think that, you know, I, I can imagine Eddie Vedder and Johnny Ramone like having tea, you know. And yeah, I do have a mohawk. 
And no, I didn't get it to pose up here as a punk rocker for this exalted occasion. Uh, I'd actually stem from my frustration of world events and bombings and things like that, and I took it out on my own hair. And when punk finally broke in 91, the Ramones still weren't brought along for the ride. Even though the bands Nirvana, Rancid, Green Day wouldn't have existed without them. Uh, you know, punk bands now sell 10 times, with, with one record, their first or second record, sell 10 times the amount of records that the Ramones did throughout their career with 20-something records. And um, that's why I go over to Johnny Ramones' house and do yard work three times a week <laughs> just to resolve, absolve some of the guilt. And, and, it, and a bunch of people do it, like Bono and Edge do the windows. Kirk Hammett, the guitar player from Metallica, he, he dusts, house cleans, <laughs> makes French toast. That's a true story. <laughs> you can? Yes, it makes me very happy. That's something I can never, I, that always, it always fascinates me that they were apparently such close friends. Yeah. Just knowing, knowing what I know about them. <laughs> I don't know, I just think like, Eddie, you seem such, like such a nice guy. Why are you hanging out with that <laughs> troublesome Johnny Ramone? I, I, I kind of think the same way, too, about um, he kind of has a friendship with uh, Sean Penn, which he can be a little problematic with uh, yeah, sure. some things as well. And it's just kind of like, ah, I don't know if it's if it's sort of like the, oh, these guys are like famous and kind of, you know, the starstruckness that, you know, he could have or. I don't know. I, it, it's yeah. It, or maybe the, there's also a possibility that they just like get along i mean oh like yeah. the thing i would think is johnny ramone was a huge baseball fan and i know mm -hmm. eddie vetter's a big baseball fan and so maybe it's just enough to be like yeah but just go just a couple dudes talking about uh baseball and, st and stuff yeah, just which also does politics and just i guess i don't know but at, at the same time i mean maybe that's enough uh let's see uh yes Ed, Ed, i, I was Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was actually going to add one more thing um, just yeah. for like, because I, I remember like sort of an other, other earlier Pearl Jam impression after they became the biggest thing. Then I was in college and I worked at a music store. It was a movie and music store. And I very distinctly remember the release of Vitology being a huge thing. But even bigger was we somehow got bootlegs of their Soldier Field show. Oh, which like to the 10 or 20 kids in town who were just like, you know, they fought over. I remember we couldn't even keep the Jeremy single in house because it had mm -hmm. yellow letter, yellow lead better on it. It was like to those guys, it was the biggest deal that we were like, they would come and ask. It was like, you're going to get any more and we're like, $50 <laughs> and we're trying our best. Um, but it was that was another sort of big eye opening thing. And again, like I, me being more of a casual fan, not being the guy who's like, oh, I'm going to totally buy all these bootlegs and stuff. It was interesting to see it like happening around me in that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, Ed inducted the Ramones to the Hall of Fame in 2002, which was a little yep. bit after this uh, was released. I don't know if that sort of inspired Jeff to do this. Uh, on the single he has written, and it's very small, so I'm trying to, oh man, I'll try to read this. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so during the summer of 1978, I bought the Ramones Leave Home on cassette. 
at the Woolworths <laughs> in Haver, Montana. I found I could pluck my SG copy along with most of the songs. Revelation, <laughs> Rocket to Russia, It's Alive, Road to Ruin was one of the three B tracks. Oh, one of the, whoops. Road to Ruin was one of the three eight tracks playing all summer, 1979, out at the half pipe. Their pure visceral punk power was my constant companion. When Joey hmm. died this year, I sat down and played Ramon's songs on my acoustic. For the first time, I really felt the sadness and loneliness in Joey's lyrics. This homemade recording is my love letter. And thank you to Joey and the Ramones for giving me a push. Thanks, Jeff. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. Joey would have... Joey had died before they were inducted. So mm -hmm. yeah, that makes, okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. It definitely explains a lot about the tone. Yeah. You know, yeah, I hadn't I, even thought about, I honestly hadn't even thought about it. Oh, like I was trying to think like, Oh, it's just like a, you know, a different take on it. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh no, it's a funeral well, dirge. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, and my, like my first thought was, you know, that, that Jeremy spoke in class and he was very, very sad. Like, this is like what I imagine Jeremy saying in class, if you'll extend <laughs> the metaphor, um, because it is so freaking sad. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's like, uh, it reminded me actually of when Sonic Youth covered the um, Carpenters. I don't know if you guys know that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this one's even more sad. And it's like, it's funny because then, you know, you go and you listen to all the other interpretations of the song that, you know, we we looked at um, Garbage and uh, the... Local Chili peppers. And, yeah, they're, they're yeah, all H. basically the song the way it is, but like with their own sound. And even um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they kind of try to sound like the Ramones a little bit. Like, I think he's mm -hmm. even like putting on a little bit of a Joey voice there. But this is just, it's all, like, if you didn't know, like, if they didn't say the words chicken vindaloo. <laughs> That's the one thing. That is the know. one thing that I've, like, yeah. it's, it's a little funny to it's try to make really, that chicken vindaloo thing sad. Exactly. They're trying to be so freaking sad and chicken, they just can't get <laughs> chicken vindaloo through fast enough <laughs> to make us all take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I, when I first heard this, uh, I didn't know of the Ramones version, and I didn't, I, you know, this was 2001 or so, so, I mean, barely, barely an internet was around, and so I thought it was eating chicken in the nude. <laughs> Sadder. I was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, chicken, chicken vindaloo, it's like, oh, okay. Way sad. You know, I came out, you know, late 70s, New York, you know. Yeah, who knows? You have, you have uh, yeah. Yeah, you have uh, you'll have Indian food places and stuff like that, and probably yeah, you know, elsewhere in the country, 
You know, they're like, what the hell is that? No, I had no idea what Chicken Vindaloo was. I even asked when we covered the song, I remember mm-hmm. asking what it was. Like, I did not know that. Yeah. So they're educators in that way. <laughs> I was going to say about the tone of this, I probably wouldn't have said, oh, this is a Pearl Jam song. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it sounded a lot like Alice in Chains. Yeah. I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. But like, like that sap period of like just a drone to it and, uh, you know, not, not the screechy Lane's singing, but that like yeah, yeah. really <laughs> growly. That's my, You're just reminding me of once there was a boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's funny. I, I remember. So in preparing for this, I was I was trying to listen to Pearl Jam records around this time because I was not as familiar with them. And in doing that, I was also reminded around the house that my wife has the odd talent of being able to sing like. 90s grunge singers uh-huh awesome. in particular so like i mean it's just it's not like she can do everything but like like if you wanted her to sing uh jeremy or any of those things it it's odd to see her do it or like wow it's like it's like stone temple pilots is right here in my room <laughs> listen to this version of interstate love song it's going so great from you of all people yeah, this the the the, the bass. Yeah, this is the bass player Jeff doing mm-hmm. all of the instruments and everything like that. He's got his uh, fretless bass and strumming on an acoustic guitar. Uh, yeah, he asked if he sings many songs. He doesn't sing any of them really. Huh. Uh, I think this and off the top of my head, there's one other song that that I'm covering this season called uh, "Sweet Lou." And it is a joke amongst uh, Pearl Jam fans because it's not that good. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's it's more weird yeah. than not good. And so that's that's another song that he sings on. Hmm. It's about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Well, Lou Alcindor. One yeah. Of yeah. That, one of the things that really struck me about this. OK, so when, when I'm you know, I'm going back and I'm re-listening to the Ramones version. Right. And when one of the great things about the Ramones version is that the Ramones didn't really have a lot of guitar flourishes necessarily mm-hmm. like in the grand scheme no. of their career. But this is one of those songs where there's like a really great kind of guitar breakdown. It's not, I wouldn't call it a solo necessarily, yeah, but it's definitely, screechy like, part, right? it's definitely like a badass flourish that we don't usually get from a Ramones song. And so when I went to go listen to the Pearl Jam version, I was like, oh, well, definitely they're going to take advantage of that. And that's the <sighs> thing they're going to hook into. And that thing doesn't even make a, a, you know, it doesn't even come into play in this. Not version. at all. And honestly, it doesn't really come into play in any of the versions that yeah, like yeah. the garbage version. And so that is what really shocks me most about every cover of this song. But this cover in particular, because Pearl Jam is like a guitar band, you know? Yeah, sure. And so that is um, surprising. <laughs> Also, I think kind of for me, it's like it took a little bit of the life out of this song. I mean, I, I I appreciate what they did with this song. And and I, you know, I love that. It's like I don't even recognize that this is a Pearl Jam song, quite honestly. I don't recognize that 
that this is a Ramones cover. I don't remember, you know, you don't really recognize anything, any of the elements here. And so my question is like, do we think that these guys are missing an opportunity to have a, a like a, a moment in this song? I think it would have elevated this song a little bit because it does kind of feel like slightly one note, not, not to come down on Pearl Jam, but it felt like so sad that I may not ever want to hear this song again. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> is, unless somebody's, unless somebody's dying. Right. And we're, we're playing, we're, we're that must be, I think that, I think that context explains a lot. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I, that made, that made it way clearer because honestly, and I can't believe I didn't put it together. It was like, Oh yeah, Joey had just died. That was a big deal. But I thought initially it was like, you took what is essentially a lot of times sort of a peppy song and made it sad just for the sake of being sad. Mm-hmm. So without the context of like, oh, I'm showing like my emotions, but also something else with, that may be lingering in there. It's like, that makes sense. Without the context of it, though, it's just, it is yeah. kind of like, why did you just pick? They have sad songs. Why did you just pick a sad song? Yeah, sort of like when you take a rap song and make it into like an acoustic sort of, you know. yeah thing or you know you take a fast song and then you play it slow and it's kind of like oh see look i transformed it or something yeah this 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 song too the like the the ramones original it's not one of their super fast songs it's a little more no it's just a rock sort of languid and yeah yeah and it's it, it it does feel kind of like someone who is bored and wants something <laughs> to do whether you're in a big city and you have you know a bunch and, of stuff and you're there you're eating chicken vindaloo yeah. <laughs> you're like oh man i should be i should be out there going to clubs doing stuff getting into trouble or you know you're in a small town where it's kind of like yeah. you know there's never anything to do and i you know i want to i want something what well, i want something to do maybe that's something that he taps into that jeff taps into with that channel of sadness that i don't know if i've ever even thought about with the song itself that they don't have they do the song does not offer any ideas of what to do but even even <laughs> sure. now yeah, yeah yeah i mean that it's sort of as a joke but also sincerely even now brendan you were mentioning things but like this song is about people who want something to do but they're so restless or desperate or down or whatever they don't even know what it is yeah like i i really don't know i i would take anything at this point they're like you know so they're open up for bad stuff they're open up for good stuff they're open up for fun they're open up for fighting whatever you want but like mm-hmm. they don't have any any ideas like it's that's how bored they are lost yeah, it's being a kid at home and saying yeah. oh i'm bored and your parents looking at you saying yes you ha- you can read a book you have all go these outside. toys you can play with yeah. you can go outside you can ride your bike you can do this that that it's like yeah uh, there's just nothing to do it's like there's right. everything to do <laughs> you have <laughs> yeah, an imagination you're, the, you're a kid you're, you're not stuck in the emotion of it you're not old and beaten down by life yet <laughs> yeah yeah i think that this version the pro jam version takes it to the next level which is like I almost feel like this person's going to commit suicide. So it's yeah. almost like this dire. <laughs> That's his thing to do. You know, it's like a dire moment where it's like, I kind of give up on life. I want something to do. There's literally, I'm looking into the abyss. And, and I feel like mm-hmm. in this version, it's really asking the question, like, what's the point almost? So, hmm. I mean, there's, I, I like that. And I, I definitely love that they just did. And I'm saying they, but I'm guessing it's just Jeff, just totally like rebuilt this song almost mm-hmm. into something mm-hmm. completely different. I think it works too in that way to know that it is just him. It's interesting because I, I mean, 
I would assume if he had if they had brought it all to the band, then the drummer's contributing and you got two yeah. guitar players contributing and like Jeff's not gonna sing it and and just for what it kind of makes sense and tracks it was like I'm gonna make like an intimate song intimately. I'm yeah. gonna do it I'm gonna do it all myself and that that's the thing that I'm going to do and hopefully get through it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got he's got a couple solo albums and this is very sort of representative of that sound that he has. Oh, really? On those, how, just... so Brandon, how do you feel? I would love to know how you feel about Jeff's solo albums. Um, I have listened to I think one. <laughs> I think he's got at least he's got, got three it. or four. He's got three or four out. Um, he's got one that just came out last year. I uh, haven't listened to that one yet. They are very. I don't know. You can kind of listen to them and be like, oh yeah, this isn't like Pearl Jam stuff. He he is like one of the more sort of artier out there kind of guys like the lyrics he writes mm. for, for the band are very sort of symbolic and poetic and can be seen from a bunch of different angles and everything so i think that when he's just by himself like yeah it is lacking some of the energy that the band would have but i think sure. it is sort of like his artistic vision for for a lot of these songs that he has it just hit me too. It's it's like a correlation, but Molly, he's the DD. He's the he bass player is, who is out there and comes up with these like like you say more artistic, poetic thoughts. Yeah, and... this this song, this version of the song, definitely feels more like a poem. Quite mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think also too with the with the passing of Joey, the I just want to be with you too could be like you know you've yeah. lost oh. someone and you want them to still be around and you don't know what to do now that that they're not here yeah that's true true story yeah. true, <laughs> true story no notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm curious i don't know how much how much you have so yeah we're just interviewing you Brian. oh that's sorry <laughs> um but but like in these instances you know he's got this song and he brings it to the band i i'm reading far too much like drama into it probably but i almost think like he brings it to the band and they're like yeah we'll put it out as a fan single i mean they didn't put it on the album but i, but I just wondered you know because i i've i know sometimes those little things are like they're more curios than like your big a plus material oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and i i didn't know how often that happens or if there was ever i would almost get the feeling that jeff would know you know who he is by this point to be like, you know, I know the, the rest of the guys aren't going to be like super gung ho about this. And I'm cool with that. I've done what I need to. And here you can release this instead of coming. And I was like, this is like side a of the next album. Right guys. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt there's going to be like resentment. I don't know how, if, how much drama do they have in their, in their band at this point in 2001. There's uh well, they were, they were, they were just getting ready to release their final album for um for their sony record contract mm. uh this is the album that sort of deals with the aftermath of the um festival show that they did where nine people were killed during a show oh and also you know the iraq war and 9 11 and all that stuff has just is this, happened is this riot act yeah it's right okay it yeah is. so so ed has his has his mohawk inducting them in and i think in some of the uh promotional stuff you see for riot act and everything he has his, he has all of his hair cut real short because he had that mohawk and so yeah. he started to grow it out a little bit so mm. and so brendan i would love to know your thoughts on like producers is is this 
Like when they do these Christmas singles or these fan club singles, is this something that they're doing like themselves or do they often have the same people come in with them? Or, you know, what, what what's the idea behind these fan club singles just to have something extra for the fans or? Yeah, it's um, is it like- a lot of time. Well, just recently in the past, I think two years, they stopped putting them out as part of their fan club because they were like, it got to be a hassle because it was always an afterthought you know it's like okay we're working yeah. on a record or something like that and it's like oh crap it's october yeah we need to put out a fan club single and like okay what do we have and and a lot of times some stuff will be leftover kind of mess arounds that they had from their studio stuff uh sometimes it's like okay we'll take a live a live song that we did here or there yeah other times it's kind of like okay i recorded this on my own i'll, I'll you know bring this in I was just jamming with, you know, one other guy in the band and we have this, so let's put it out. It's just sort of like a, a scramble at that point to like, okay, what do we have that we can put on it? Jeff, you have this? Okay, that's good. We can put that on it. Uh, what else, you know, do we have? And I think at that point, it's just sort of like, oh, uh, yeah, it okay. wasn't really meant for being, you know, on an album. An album yeah. cut. Yeah. So in this way, Jeff is kind of, he kind of saved Christmas. (laughs) I mean, well, I, I, at first I was, you know, I'm, I'm throwing like them into a fight that they're not having. In this case, it sounds like something I can totally relate to, which is the holidays have come up and you're like, well, we did it guys. We did. Oh no. And you're like, you look at your to-do list and like, ah, crap. And at this point, Jeff's like, you know, I do have this thing. How's it sound? Does it sound good? Great. Let's do it. Oh, another bullet dodged yeah the, this uh specific fan club single is four songs so it's four it's two seven inch uh pieces of vinyl this is the only hmm. studio song like everything else were live songs taken from oh uh, okay shows so it's sort of like hey it's something that's not like a i don't know kind of leftover or sort of yeah sure like a scrape in the bottom of the barrel to see what they could put together at the last minute well, and also not doing, you know, like you say, it's not a live track or it's not like an alternate take of even flow, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like we got that song already, guys. <laughs> Anything else you, um, you can say about this song? Or? What I have I this. I um, Molly blast from the past. I have numbers on how many times the Ramones played it live. I love it. Please drop me some. No, they played it. They played it over 200 times. They played this song over that 200 track. times. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because it's about 10%. Yeah, roughly 10, <laughs> roughly 10%. <laughs> yeah, they they it it wasn't like super, super steady. It's not Blitzkrieg Bop in every single show, but it mm-hmm. made it into like, oh, it's in this tour is in every tour show for that one. Well, also, and it's, it's in this their, tour, it's in every show for that. It's one. from their fourth album. So there, yeah, it's early enough that some, it has that stand. Yeah, there are some songs that are just they got played more because they were just around longer. That's that's one thing. Yeah. yeah. But um yeah, two two hundred times. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of not knowing what to do and then doing a two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> um, um so Brendan, have you seen uh Rock and Roll High School? Um oh, I saw it a long time ago. Definitely worth Brendan, a rewatch. Back, back, back when I was a teenager. I, oh, you definitely but... gotta watch it again <laughs> as an adult, for sure. I don't know. I don't have a podcast about movies where I can just uh, <laughs> if, I, if, if I can't I love if I can't create content out of it. What's the what's the you? You pair that with singles and then oh nice weird mashup watch party of 
rock and roll high school in singles in uh in in three years when i'm done with uh with this pearl jam podcast then i can uh... <laughs> <laughs> so brendan what's your favorite pearl jam album and or song oh damn oh damn oh well <laughs> i i think uh it's got to be their second album uh versus yeah that's that's my favorite it's a good one i think it's funny you say that because molly and i as we were going through our band's albums there was a point oh, when there was a point there was a point when we were saying the Ramones second album was our favorite too and i yeah. wonder if you had the same feeling we did which was we all know everybody knows the first one mm-hmm. the first one was like the landmark the second one is the one where they like sort of perfected some things, but they're still very close to that original spark that you really liked. And it's like, and it's a little less ubiquitous so that everybody doesn't know it, but there's still some jams on there where you're like, yeah, I get this is, this is right. This tastes, this tastes just right for me. Yeah. A way to distinguish yourself from, you know, cause you don't, I don't know. I always laugh at something that's like, you know, Pearl Jam's my favorite band and my favorite song is alive. You know, you're like, have you heard one (laughs) album? have you heard one song (laughs) Ramones are my favorite favorite band and my favorite song is Blitzkrieg Bop track one side one of their first album (laughs) that's all I need to hear they peaked and I got it (laughs) but but at the same time and now I'm just like psychoanalyzing you so I'm sorry but at the same time it's like but you still probably do love that first album and of course. I don't know. It's just, it was always a thing in me that was like, I can't just say that is what that is, even if it is, you know, mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of like, I don't know, with myself of trying to overanalyze myself and trying to uh, like really ask those questions. But as we were going through our show, we we're like, I think the second one is my favorite. Like the way it's lining up, like all these songs are, these are my thing. Yeah. Even though they're really not that far from the first. Or the third, or and the honestly, the songs were written at the same time as the yeah. first. But I do think it has something to do with just having the. It's like anything, you know. You get the first one under your belt, and you just learn so much from that process. Then the second time, you just you know so much more. Well, and you also you also maybe go through this period where everybody likes that first album. If you like the second one then it like solidifies the band for you in a way, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. you know, like we all have bands that we've heard an album and we love it. And then the second one comes out, and we're like, Oh, okay. But I really like that first one. And, but this, but this might've been a case for you where it's like, Oh, I really like this first one. Ooh, I really like the second one. Like, Oh, we're going to, we have a relationship now. I'm going to stick <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah. I'm going to stick around with this guys, with these guys. Yeah. The, 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 the first album was sort of, you know, they had the, the one guitar player sort of had all these songs and they came together and they recorded them real quick. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's kind of got a certain feel about it and it's their first album and it's really big and everything. And so their second album, they started to write together while they were playing live and everything. Uh And so it's kind of has a more, they're more uh, enmeshed at that point. And they sort of like know what they can do at this point. So it's got more of a, yeah. Cohesive ebb and there. flow to right. it with everybody it's got a kind of like even flow about it <laughs> hey there you go it feels more that's alive that's why i can say that and, uh, <laughs> um let's see oh yeah the um i think with the ramones version too the fact that it's sort of not super high tempo it's you know very mid tempo and then like you were mm-hmm. saying molly like once it gets towards the end 
where you have like pick scrapes and you have kind of more guitar noise coming up. It's sort of, you get the pent up, I think, energy of the song was kind of like, Oh, I want something to do, you know, yeah, sure. that's sort of coming to a head, I think at that, at that point. And yeah, like all the cover versions, they played a little bit faster. And so you don't really have that, that tension and sense of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, That tension there that's building up at the end. And it's just sort of kind of, that's a good point all the way through. That's a good point. And I wonder, sometimes I think that people, even the Ramones themselves, focus on elements of that band that are not the whole picture. Like by the by the end, like every song they played in their concert was at 100 miles per hour. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like. And <laughs> what was what was always kind of funny for me was they want like Johnny, especially was the dictator at that point saying, like, this is how we do it. And they wanted or he wanted them to only play really the old stuff and then a little bit of newer, like yeah. primarily the first four albums. But what's funny to me is like, yeah, but your first four albums aren't this fast. Why don't you play them like that? And mm-hmm. and I think the same thing happens with what you're picking up on with these other covers. It was like, it's almost like they say, we're doing a Ramon song. We're doing, I just want to have something to do. So, okay, a million uh, miles per hour, right? Okay, yeah, go. And they just do it. And you're like, not always. It's not always that. And and to the point, to the credit of this particular version, the the Pearl Jam version, even by deconstructing it so much so it's that way, he might be getting at a sort of underlying truth more than those other versions. You know, those other versions are like, oh, it's a Ramones and it's crazy and it's fast. And this guy's like, well, there's like an emotion there. We should probably explore the emotional part of it. Mm-hmm. However you respond to it, it was like, I wonder how much of the actual truth he got in there as opposed to the other people who are just like, one, two, three, four, go. That's nicely said, Philip. Thank you. <laughs> I have at least one in me. <laughs> yeah, it's only like 15, 16 seconds longer than uh, the Ramones version. Yeah. Two, so. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was checking that, actually. I was like, this isn't that much. Is this that much? It's not that far off. That's, that's interesting. I actually, in the first time I heard it, I thought he cut the chant, the wait now, but he... Mm-hmm he integrates it in a different way. He still keeps, yeah. it's, it's funny <laughs> back to that chicken Vindaloo thing. It's almost like, I wonder if he could have had an original song. Had he just like borrowed elements from the Ramones version and then just made it his yeah. own thing. But instead it was like, no, we're doing a Ramones song, but I'm doing it this way. And I'm saying that chicken Vindaloo part and I'm working the chant in somehow. It's a challenge. Yeah. I believe, I believe to the, um, the artwork for this song on the single is uh, is the yeah the New York skyline and then Joey's yeah. legs are there where the Twin Towers. I was gonna oh, say I didn't put that together. It's a really cool like I love the art. I think they did a really good job with it. Oh man, I did not. I am really observant. <laughs> I I didn't. I did not put that together. It's interesting. That's okay. You're the Ramones guy. I'm the Pearl Jam guy. So you know. That's, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what's going to stay on. Uh, was there anything else for this song, either the Pearl Jam version or the Ramones version or anything that uh, you think we, we got to cover? Super interesting. Super interesting take. No, I have, I don't, I have, yeah, I, I, I appreciated hearing it. Um, I don't know if it was supplant any other versions that I would listen to, but I, I like that it's out there. Yeah. And especially <laughs> now, now knowing the context, I was, I feel so stupid that I like, I was trying to listen to it 
around the other albums they released, mm-hmm. you know, just say like, oh, were they getting into this vibe, that thing? And then right out of the gate, Brandon, you're like, well, this is after Joey died. You know, that person that you talked about for two years <laughs> he died. At this time. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> that thing. Yeah. I mean, that's how I can edit that part out if you want. No, no, please, keep it. It. <laughs> please keep it. It's no, a, that's it's, why I, I think it's so fun and important to talk about these things with other people because, um, you know, sometimes yeah context is just just as important as the song itself you know to help mm-hmm. you appreciate it. yeah it's what was going on with this guy it was like oh that makes complete sense now yeah yeah um crap was there one more thing i thought of i looked at my notes and saw something did i yes no it's probably great <laughs> oh yeah second second avenue was the location of where they shot the photo for their first uh album cover the ramones oh nice See, a little shout out somewhere on Second Avenue. Yeah, somewhere on Second Avenue. Uh, let's let's wrap it up here. Okay. Um, the 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 Ramones podcast is over, but your creative crap. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not ventures, endeavors, endeavors, endure. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's good. good. Real nice. <laughs> uh, so uh molly where can people find your work or any other things that you have that you have going on hey brandon thank you so much for asking me that um i am a stand-up comedian i perform all over the place if you want to hear some of my sets you can find them on verbal.com or if you live in the los angeles area i produce a monthly stand-up show called talia comedy at the glendale room uh, highly recommend checking out the Glendale Room. They've got great shows every night of the week. Her show's great. And uh, how about you, Philip? Uh, you can find me online. Um, the best way, because my name is weird, is to look up the words murderous haircut Philip, because I am not only a podcaster, but I am also an author. I've released a book called The Murderous Haircut of the Barber. Uh, I'm sorry, The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air. It is a uh, a mystery novel. Um, so if you look up murderous haircut, Philip, I'm the only Philip who has written about murderous haircuts. <laughs> I've read the book. That's a great SEO fun. there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> to date. Exactly. I, yeah, to date. Watch in six months. Some other Philip guys like, oh, yeah, well, let's, we'll just see about that. Yeah. Philip, Philip Glass will write a uh, Philip Glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write a musical piece about that. I don't even know if he's still alive. Oh, crap. Uh, Philip is also part of a sketch duo called Superpunk, which I highly recommend checking oh, out. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. The, we have a we have a podcast. So yeah, you can always check out Ramones of the Day. That's Molly and me talking about the Ramones. Uh, but yeah, Mike and I uh, are a sketch duo named Superpunk, and we have a podcast uh, called Superpunk Radio, which promises nonstop music, rock blocks breaking all the knobs off but then it's actually two or three minutes of fake commercials <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny quite honestly all right well uh molly philip thank you for coming on and talking thank you for to having me us. about the ramones and pearl jam thanks for having us brennan so much fun the better brand podcast is produced by brandon palomo and published using a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 license Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenuprino at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. 
B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash brandonp or patreon.com slash brandonp. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to bettervanpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guests Molly and Philip, and as always, this is Brandon saying, I never apologize, Lisa. I'm sorry, but that's just the way I am.